fairly quick review because I need to bring us all on the same page. And um, so I need everybody to uh, just kind of flow with me here. And we're going to do it. Who did their homework? I, I'm a little bit loud. Can we turn me down a little bit? Who, I got homework person right here. Anybody else do their homework? Yeah. Where's your homework at, John? You got it? <laughs> hey. Amen. Hey, let's, hey, if you got your homework, bring it in. So Connie's done her homework. Connie, you ready to catch this? You only get to eat it if you catch it. Are you ready? Oh, we're going to do it. Oh, God lovers. All right, I can't make her do it. <laughs> I feel like her whole childhood flashed before her eyes right there. Thank you, John. Good job. Yeah, put the homework up here. People who did the homework got to get a Ferrochi chocolate. Amen. Good work. I'm trying to reward y'all so y'all renew your minds with me. Amen. And have victory in your life. Anybody else do their homework? Amen. Cool. Those of you that did not do your homework, it's okay. Jesus still loves you. You're the righteousness of God. You can still renew. The most important thing is renewing your mind, not turning into a piece of paper. Can I get an amen? But you still ain't getting no chocolate. You know what I'm saying? Because uh, Brother Johnson about to eat this chocolate. Hallelujah. When I, when I brought it in here, there was curiously two little ferochis that were missing. And uh, it was me. <laughs> no one doubts that. I opened it up last night right before I went to bed. And Stacey's, Stacey's like, are you sure you want to do that? And uh, I was like, I do. She's like, you know you're not going to just eat one. And I was like, I know. <laughs> but I only ate two, so I'm counting that as a victory as well. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Chocolate bear. Come on. That's, that's, that's what it was. How do you pronounce that? I'm still hot in my mic. Is it for, what is it? Ferreroche. Okay, thank you. That's the right, that sounds so much better. Ferrochi? Got them Ferrochis? <laughs> it's good. They're good, man. They're good. I, I like them. What's that? Yeah, that's right. They're good. I like them. So anyway, some of y'all may not have known about the homework assignment. No sweat. It's all good. But I'm going to use these to help teach. And so that's what we. That's one of the reasons that I got them. So, all right. So jo Joshua chapter one, and I'm going to do a really quick review. And um, Joshua chapter one, uh, verse five and six. Uh, God is speaking to the children of Israel. They're about to go into the promised land. They're about to occupy their land. They're about to step into the promise that God has given them. And um, uh, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was a Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land. Everybody say the land. Which I swore to their fathers to give them. And so... What we've been looking at is our promised land. Now, how many know our promised land is not a geographical location? You know, we're not going to go storm a different county and say, your land is our land. We're not going to do that, right? Um, how many know in the day and age that we live in, God doesn't have uh, enemies in terms of nationalities or races or countries? Can I get an amen? It was like that in the Old Covenant. It's not like that now. How I many anybody can become a child of God now, right? And so uh, our promised land is not a geographical location, and I used to have heard it preached and believed that Jesus was our promised land. And, um, and, but I don't believe that because in the promised land there are giants. And there are no giants in Jesus, right? And so now I'm starting to understand what the Lord has revealed to me is your promised land is right here, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Because your spirit, the work is finished. I mean, if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You have all the life of Almighty God on the inside of you. You have all of Jesus on the inside of you. You are as right with God as Jesus is because that same nature that Jesus had has been given to you as a gift. Can I get an amen? 
We'd have church right there, right? But this thing right here, in order for you to experience the life that's been placed down on the inside of you, your, your soul's got to be changed. And your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Until you change the way you think, your life's not going to change as much on earth. That's why you can see somebody that's born again and they're a child of God, but they're still operating in some of the things that they used to back in the day. Like when I first got saved, got born again, uh, when I was about 19, 20 years old, drug addict, alcoholic, atheist, lying, cheating, awful human being, and the life of God was placed on the inside of me, but you know what? Three days later, I still thought like a drug addict. Still thought like a rejected orphan. Okay? And so it would take the Scriptures and the truths of God's Word to renew my mind and cleanse my mind so that the greatness of Christ that had been placed within me could shine out. Now, 25 years later, um, Jesus is shining out of me more than He was when I first got saved. But, but I've, not, I've not become more right with God. I'm just as right with God the moment that I receive Jesus as I am 25 years later. But my window pane has been cleaned so the light can shine through. That's your part in this life. Your part is the presenting of yourself to the truth to let the truth change the way you think and let the truth change you. That's your part. That's, why you, that's one of the reasons that you come to church. That's one of the reasons that you listen to, to people preach. That's one of the reasons you study the Word is because you're not actually looking to feed your spirit. Your spirit's actually full. You're looking to renew your mind. I mean, the Bible says that you will be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And many of us, we've been conformed to this world and we need, and, and so we are presenting ourselves to have our mind transformed. So this is your promised land. You and Jesus are going to take over your mind. Because, if, because you can be a born-again child of God, but still be sad, depressed, sick, broke, lonely, dejected. You can have all that crap that's in the world still operating in your life. And the only way it's going to change is renewing your mind. Now, you can have somebody pray for you. We can lay hands on you. We can have the gifts of the Spirit flow. And there will be a, uh, there will be a break. And there will be a, a, an opening. And there will be, there will be a, a deliverance for a season. But if you don't fill your mind with truth, you'll end right back up where you were before. I mean, that's just the rubber meets the road reality. Back, when, back in, the, in our charismaniac days, we thought if we just had a, the right person to lay hands on us, our life was going to change forever. And, and man, we... And, you know, I'm, all right, I'm not trying to speak disparagingly towards all of that because honestly, many of us are standing on the shoulders of people who've went through that. So I don't want to be disrespectful to that. But what I am saying is God is always going to bring you into a clearer and fuller knowledge of the truth and you're always going to continue to grow and one of the things that we erroneously thought is if we just had enough hands laid on us that our life is going to have lasting change. And the reality is, is the greatest things that can lay hands on you is the Scriptures. is the truth. The truth is what changes you. But in order for the, the Scriptures to be able to do their job, you have to be ready to be wrong. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. Your identity can't be in, be in being right. You, we must, when we come to God, we must be, all right, I'm ready to be wrong. Show me where I'm wrong. And, I'm, and now listen to me. The level that you're right or wrong concerning the truth is not your identity. 
You know what I'm saying? How many know there's nobody in this room that's any better than anybody else? Can I get an amen? Everybody in this room is the righteousness of God. Everyone in this room has a right to God. Okay? But the level of the light shining out of you will be in direct proportion to the level of truth that you've embraced and the level of lies you've let fall to the wayside. See, many of us, we believe lies. We believe that God didn't like us. How many of you know that's a lie? We believe that God didn't love us. How many of you know that's a lie? We believe that we weren't worthy of the promises of God. How I many? That's a lie. That's a lie. You're worth. We just ministered it. We're worthy. Why are we worthy? Because the blood made us worthy. All the promises in Him are yes and amen. It's always about Him, okay? But we have to be ready to be wrong, right? Because how I many know if you can't be taught, you can't grow. And if you know more than everybody else, that's all you'll ever know. And you will never grow. And that is what the Bible calls a fool. That is a biblical definition of a fool. Someone who cannot be corrected. Now, I know all about that. Used to be a fool. And uh, spent many days being a fool. How I many you know, when you're a fool, you get corrected by circumstance. Call hard knocks. And you and you might be you might not you might be wise in some areas of your life, but a fool in others. How many other people can be wise in finances, but a fool in relationships? <clears throat> there can be people who can be wise about the health of their body, but be a fool concerning finances. And so, but whatever area you are not allowing God to father you, and fathering is loving you, but it's also loving you with truth and correcting you. No one should ever grow to the place where they're unable to be corrected by God. And there are people who, they grow to the point where they think they're experts on God just because they might know more about God than somebody else, and that becomes a trap to them. Because if you think that you know everything there is to know about God and God can't correct you, you stop growing. And then you become prideful, and then you frustrate grace. And so, if you want, and if you want your life to change, develop a love for correction. Develop a love for reproof. And the only way you're going to be able to do that is if you know that, that your identity is not in your behavior and your identity is not in being right. The righteousness of God will actually mature you to where you can handle correction. When you know that you're right with God beyond your folly. Okay? And so, I want to take the promised land. And so, everybody in here, you've got areas, we have all have areas of our lives where we believe lies. And these areas are called strongholds. And what a stronghold is, is it's a weaving together of lies till it becomes a base of operation for the enemy out of our minds. What are you talking about, Jeremiah? Well, let's take a look at a stronghold. We got some here. I mean, I have tons of them that I've, that I've written out. I'm not going to look through everybody's handwriting right now because I'm not going to subject myself to that. <laughs> mine being the worst. I mean, hands down, mine being the worst. All right, stronghold. Stronghold, fear of sickness, stronghold. Fear of financial failure, stronghold. Fear of being wrong, stronghold. Lust, stronghold. Being a liar, stronghold. Always needing to prove yourself to other people so you can have value, stronghold. Those are just a couple, right? Now, if we want our lives to change... We're going to have to march with Jesus into this place and tear down strongholds. 
You know, my mom used to be, be an alcoholic, and she would drink herself into oblivion every single night. And when she would get really, really, really drunk, and she was really, really going through it, because she had a really tough childhood, and she went through hell in her childhood, so she was carrying a lot of wounds and a lot of pain. When she'd get really, really drunk, she'd take it out on me. And she, <clears throat> she would just corner me, man, and just tear into me for hours. I'm talking hours of how awful I was and how I was no good and blah, 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 blah. Now, I don't blame her, okay? I love her. She's free now, and our relationship is great. But the pain that the enemy placed in her was subjected to me, right? And you know what it did was it built strongholds in my mind about my worth. And it made me feel unworthy and unlovable and um, just dirty, honestly. And when I got born again, those strongholds were still there. And, it's, and God's been work, me and God have been working together in this thing right here for the past 25 years to tear these things down. Now that stronghold is not in me anymore. I've, I, by the grace of God, by the sword of the Spirit, by the finished work of the cross, I, Jeremiah Johnson, no longer feel like I'm unworthy and unclean. And you can, and you can see it in my life. You can watch me. And you can tell that I don't struggle with that any longer. That is not a work of anything that was born of me. Another thing that stronghold that I had was poverty. We were so poor when we grew up. We were on food stamps and we were on all the stuff. And poverty will try to mark you in a place of not being as good as other people. We didn't have the, we didn't have the cool clothes. I didn't have the cool stuff. We were broke. I was raised by a single mom and uh, put herself back through college and you know, eventually came out of that. But even though we came out of that financially, that stronghold was still in my mind of poverty. And, and I have been attacking that stronghold for the past 25 years. Now, I've made a lot of progress, but I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I've arrived in that place. Because what the enemy will try to do, he'll try to set up a circumstance that will try to call back all those hurt feelings and those hurt emotions and bring back that stronghold. Y'all tracking me here? But at the end of the day, like, I don't just want to die and go to heaven. That part's over. Astonishing that so much of the body of Christ struggle with that. Everybody's just trying to stay saved. God love them. You know what I'm saying? You know, if you're born again, you saved. Let that be at rest. Let's move on to some other things. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, that part's over. Like, you didn't do that. Nobody did that for you. God did that for you. If the thief on the cross can get saved and stay saved, I think the rest of us are going to be just fine. Your salvation is not under question. And unfortunately, there's so much bad teaching that people are not confident in their salvation. No, when you're born again, you're a child of God. If, and I'll say this real quickly because I just want to nail this thing to the wall. If, 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 if human seed has the ability to maintain your identity as a human, I mean, no one's going to suddenly slip off and become a dog this morning. Contrary to popular culture, praise God. They're going, to, they're going to get it. They're going to get the truth. It's all good. But you're not just, whoop, I became a dog, right? <laughs> if human seed is able to maintain your identity as a human, how much more the incorruptible seed of the Word of God able to maintain your identity as a son, as a daughter? So it's important to get that, what I'm teaching right now, to get really grounded in you, because if you don't have a firm foundation in that, the enemy will talk you out of everything. Honestly. Uh, and that goes back to just being the righteousness of God by birth, not by action. Amen? 
And that's the ark. And we're going to look at that this morning. That ark, it's important to have that ark built on the inside of you, the finished work of the cross. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some mind renewal, especially if you've heard trash teaching. It's going to take time to get that thing renewed out of your mind. Anyway, and so, um, what was I talking about before I said all that? Help me out. So we maintain our righteousness. We maintain our identity. Oh, I got it. Thank you. I'm going to heaven when I die. All right? I'm done with that. I want some heaven here. I want it now. I want it in my marriage. I want it in my kids. I want it in this church. I mean, we've had an atmosphere of heaven here this morning. I want, I want it to get stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. Okay, get an amen. To so we're having church in the field, not in the building. Amen? And there's no reason why it can't. Days of heaven on the earth. And so I want, and we want days of heaven in our physical bodies. Right? Can I get an amen for that? Talking about health and strength, right? How I many we want days of heaven in our finances? I'm talking about more than enough. How I many of God's a good dad? He takes care of his kids. He has more than enough. Can I get an amen? Don't let that old religious poverty mentality hold you back. God wants to take care of you. And here's the thing. God don't want to just take care of you. He wants to take care of somebody else through you. Never think. Your goal should never be to have enough. That's a bad goal. Your goal should be to have more than enough so you can hook somebody else up. Because when, because when you are hooking somebody else up, it feels so good. It feels so good, and it's a part of your nature as a child of God to be a giver. And, and so it feels good to you, but then also it's somebody else's answered prayer. And then praise starts to go before God because God, people's prayers are answered through the supply that God has brought in your life. Can I get an amen? Yeah. Freely you have received. Freely you give. You should be a supply station. Amen? Hallelujah. We can't trust our government to take care of us. The kingdom's going to take care of us. Can I get an amen? And in God's kingdom, there is no lack and there's always more than enough. And so that, and, and you, know how you, man, you know how you get these things? You've got to renew your mind to that. You've got to renew your mind to that. That's one thing that I'm so thankful about the place that I came from is they did attack that stronghold of poverty. And they did that well. They did a good job in that because God doesn't want anyone. God wants you living in abundance. Amen? He does. He loves you. Amen? Now we get, it's weird when we're trying to give the preacher all our money in order for that to happen. That's where things get messed up and that's, you know what I'm saying? Praise God. You should give. You should be a giver. You should be a generous giver. But at the end of the day, you should give as God leads you to give. Can I get an amen? amen. Now listen, God's always going to lead you, lead you to give in the place where you get fed. I'll see two amens on that. It's okay. It's all good. It's cool. It's scriptural. God will lead you to give where you're being fed. Can I get an amen? amen. But you ain't just going to give where you're being fed. You're going to give other places too. You're going to bless people. You're going to hook people up. Amen? There's a blessing in these things, right? There's a blessing in giving where you're being fed. And it's a special blessing because God wants to take care of this house. Amen. Can I get an amen? And I ain't preaching this because we're lacking. We, we, we are doing great. We're doing supernatural as a church of this size. So God's Because God's honoring the message of the finished work. Because you're never, you're never going to walk in this place and somebody's going to turn you upside down and try to shake money out of you and scare you into giving and tell you if you don't give that you're going to be cursed. That is never going to happen. Because that's not the book. That's the old covenant. Everybody say old covenant. You know who took the curse for you? Jesus. Your money didn't take the curse for you. Jesus took the curse for you. So never for a moment think you got to pay God off like he's the Godfather. It's 
wrong. It's not true. You can't prove it in New Testament Scripture. You can't prove it. Now, here's the thing. Um, I, I, I tithe. Do you know why I tithe? Because God's made it real to me. So I tithe. But I tithe because God's made it real to me. I said God's made it real to me. God's made it real to me. Ain't nobody... I don't have to tithe in order to get God to remove the curse. I don't have to tithe in order for God to bless me or to love me or to help me or anoint me or any of those things. I do it because it's something He's made real to me. So now, you know what? I'm not paying a bill. I'm doing it because I like it. <laughs> I'm doing it because I enjoy it. And so now it comes out of a place of my heart. And it's like, yeah, I'm going to honor God with my finances. But I ain't up here trying to pay off no preacher or no church or no angry God. Hallelujah. Roar. As you can tell, I'm quite passionate about that. Oh, is that my little thing? Oh, thank you, brother. Did it fall off? Wow. Praise God. This thing's important, man. My daughter loves to grab this thing, man. She can get, she, she try to like, during worship, she's like, Daddy, hold me, Daddy. Hold me. Really, what she wants, she's going to snag this thing and, and throw it somewhere. <laughs> hey, thank you. <laughs> praise God. Um, praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Because I'll just say this one more thing. If you think you've got to pay God off for Him to take care of you, then how in the world can you draw near to Him? You won't, you won't draw near to Him. You won't trust Him. I mean, how I many know if you had a friend in grade school and you had to pay them to keep them, to keep them from beating you up, that's not a friend. They call that a bully. And your God is not a bully. Your God is a good God. Can I get an amen? And He wants to help you and He wants to love you. But even like when I'm, what I'm talking about right now, it's a stronghold. And we want to tear down. I mean, you know, even that concept that I just shared, I mean, that's a stronghold that's in the body of Christ. One of the reasons that preachers won't preach this gospel is they're scared people will stop giving. That's one of the reasons they won't do it. Dude, I don't want to stand before God and be like, you know, I knew it was true, but I didn't preach it because I didn't think you could take care of me if I did. <laughs> I knew it was true. That's why the Bible says you're going to give account of every idle rhema word. It doesn't mean like every single word. It means if God's made something real to you and you don't walk in it, you'll give an account for that. Now, your salvation's not at stake. and You're not going to lose on your salvation, but it might impact your rewards. Hallelujah. That one's not exciting, is it? <laughs> but it's true, though. If God's made something real to you, and I know preachers who knew this and turned their back on it. And what they're ultimately saying is, I don't trust God to supply for the ministry. I need me to, 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 to manipulate the people so the bills will be paid. Whew, man, I don't want to stand before God with that. Yeah, it's, it's scary, actually. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Um, uh, charging people for what God has made free is one of the primary things that ticks Jesus off. We see Jesus really mad twice. Really mad. Like, whip you mad. Make some cords. Toss some temple tables. I mean, Jesus, if you'll allow this, Jesus got redneck a couple times. 
If you'll allow that, if you'll allow that, please don't be offended at that. But like, he was like, we ain't having this. Woo, we tossing this over. Kapow, kapow. Get out of the temple. And, 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 the, reason, and, what, and the reason he was upset is people were turning his kingdom into a business. And they were making it a money-making scheme, and they were building it upon the backs of the, of the people who felt guilty. I'm going to tell you right now, there is nothing in God's kingdom that's for sale. It's all free. You don't buy none of it. You don't buy none of it. You don't buy anything from God. But in the same breath, seed time and harvest is still a real thing. What you sow, you're going to reap. How do you, that garden back there, it ain't, going, it, ain't, it ain't nothing growing in it until we sow some seed. Yeah? He's right. He's right. He's right. And so what, what God wants to do, God wants to love you and teach you to where you're sowing the right seed out of your life. And seed is more than just finances. Everything you do is a seed. Everything you do, every action you have, every time you love somebody, every time you care about somebody, it's a seed. Right? So don't think that seed time and harvest isn't a real thing because it actually predated everything in the book of Genesis. Right, Grant? Because Grant didn't write the book of Genesis, but like... He studied it to the point to where you almost feel like you got to acknowledge him anytime you talk about it. <laughs> Just kidding, man. Just kidding. But it's true. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so, I'm just trying to see what God's trying to do here because I feel like I'm completely off where I was going, but I feel like God is in this moment. So, so yeah. So, you know. Amen. Praise God. Everything you do is a seed. I'm going to say it a little bit longer. Everything you do is a seed. The way you treat your spouse, seed. The way you treat your children, seed. The way you treat each other, seed. The way you treat your enemies, seed. What do you think God says, don't be mean to your enemies? Because He doesn't want you to reap a bad harvest. See, the judgment you sow is the judgment you reap. It doesn't... And listen to me. Seed time and harvest is not... These things don't come from God. Now, for example, if I am mean to my wife and mean to my kids, I mean, oh, they're not going to trust me, they're not going to love me. I mean, they'll probably, they probably still love me, but they're not going to trust me and the dynamic of our relationship is going to be bad. Right? Does that come from God? No. God loves me and them the whole time. But if I am sowing discord and I'm sowing bad things into my family, then I'm going to reap a harvest of those bad things. It doesn't come from God. Help me out here. It doesn't come from God. Dan, if we go out to the garden and we find a bunch of dandelion seed, don't you love just to hear Dan laugh? Just Dan's laugh is just the most joyous thing in the world. If we take dandelion seed and we put it out there in that garden, what are we going to grow? Dandelions. dandelions. Is it God's fault? No. It's not God's fault. We grow weeds. This is really important. If dandelions come up in the garden, is it God's judgment against us? We've sown seeds that were dumb. So we are reaping dumb harvest. Hallelujah. 
It's just how the world, it's how the world works, man. And so, and, and I'll say this too, the most important ground that you sow into, I'm not talking about finances right now, the most important ground that you sow into is your family. Is your family. Because I've seen Christians who were really nice to strangers and really nice to people at church, but they treated their family like crap. And if you're treating your family like crap, A, you will not be a good leader. I don't care how strong your personality is. I don't care what type of giftings you have. People don't follow what you say. They follow your example. Leadership is example. Can I get an amen on that? It don't matter what anybody says if what they're saying is contrary to what they're doing. And so, I've seen people treat the strangers well. I've seen people treat church people well, treat their family like crap. No, the most important field that you have to plant are those that are close to you. And the real litmus test of spiritual maturity is how you treat those that are close to you. You know what I'm saying? We can be charming. We can be and do all the right things, but if we are mean and treating the people around us poorly when nobody is looking, we're sowing a, a harvest. Everybody tracking me on this? And, and it's not God's judgment that things aren't happening. In fact, it's God's mercy. <laughs> it's God's mercy. And so, seed time and harvest is a real thing. And it, it now, now here, the beauty, in a, uh, man, we're messing my series up. Praise God, it's all good. I ain't the boss. <laughs> Vertically, everything is fantastic between you and the Lord. You know why? Because you're in Christ. Okay? You are in Christ, and what that means is, is the covenant that God has made, He didn't made with you as an individual, He made it with Jesus. The promise to Abraham was to Abraham and his seed. Not plural, singular. Abraham and his seed. His seed. Who's, who's Abraham's seed? It's Jesus, right? And so now, when you're in Christ, what that means is you have a covenant with God that can't be broken because it's not based upon your obedience. It's based upon Jesus' obedience. And boy, once you start getting a hold of that, you start getting bold. Because, um, see, you get what Jesus deserves. And Jesus got what fallen man deserved on the cross. Not deserved in the sense, well, God was just so mad, He had to punish somebody. No, sin had to be dealt with. Understand something about God. God's righteous. And He never stops being righteous. And God is just. What does that mean? That means God always does the right thing. If God were to not do the right thing, God couldn't be God anymore. And that's why Jesus died for our sins, because the right thing had to be done. God couldn't just take sin and sweep it under the rug. And some people freak out about that. Well, you're saying God's mad. You're saying, no, God's not mad. God's got to deal with death. Death was a problem. It had to be dealt with, and it was dealt with on the cross, and now it's finished. And so now that you're in Christ, vertically, your relationship with God is perfect and is beautiful and is awesome. But all these other relationships in your life, just because your relationship with God's awesome, don't mean your relationship with people around you are awesome. God never stopped seeing you as awesome. He never stopped seeing you as anything but a son and a daughter. But if you're sowing things in your immediate vicinity and you've got dandelion seed up around you, and, 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 and weeds representing the curse, 
If you, if you see curse around you, two things. A, what are you sowing? And, and, and number two, what are you believing? Because if you want to change what you're sowing, if you want to change your actions, you've got to change what you're believing. And that's why we're talking about tearing down strongholds. And man, you tear a stronghold down in your life, and golly, everything gets so much better. There is a, there, there, cause why? Because the light shines through. You know, and I've, you know we've, I've talked about the strongholds, how I've dealt with addiction, I've dealt with you know, lust and pornography, dealt with lying and cheating and all that stuff. All that stuff's torn down, but I had a stronghold of impatience. And I was impatient. And you know what's happening to me? I couldn't enjoy my life. <laughs> if you're impatient, you can't enjoy your life. Because you are always wigged out. <laughs> Can I get an oh me? I don't want an amen, just an oh me. If I'm impatient, I'm wigged out. I can't enjoy driving. I can't enjoy living. I can't enjoy eating. I can't enjoy my kids. I can't enjoy my wife. I can't enjoy anything because I'm always going to be doing something. And man, once God, you know, in that last message we, we talked about, about getting peace. Because how many of if you guard your heart with peace, you'll be patient. It's true. When you're impatient, impatience is a result of not having peace. Impatience is a result of not having peace. And so when I pull my patience back over, you know what's happening to me now? I'm enjoying my life. I'm enjoying my children. I'm enjoying my wife. I'm enjoying you guys. I'm enjoying the, my life because I'm not wicked out and impatient. But check it out. I had to tear that stronghold down because here's the thing. Jesus isn't impatient. And if Jesus isn't impatient, then I don't have to be either because Jesus is my identity and Jesus is your identity. Can I get an amen? amen. And so I had to make a decision. Am I going to always be impatient and, and embrace a lie or am I going to make a decision to launch war in my soul against this stronghold that has claimed a false identity about me and take the truth of God's Word and really, the patience came as a result of peace. And so now, man, that sucker's down. Now, enemy will try to bring it back. He'll try to bring it back. Never think that you're going to have victory to the point that the enemy doesn't come knocking. He's trying he try to come back. Because he doesn't have anything else to do. He's a, you know what I'm saying? This is what he does. So when he comes back, listen, it's easier to guard the place of your soul that, you've, that you have renewed than a stronghold that has been built by lies. See, like, for example, I used to have the biggest stronghold of pornography. Like, dear God, like I was subjected to sex when I was a little kid. I was, I was subjected to pornography when I was a little kid. I was taught that being a man was sleeping around. And I built a fortress of pornography in my mind. Isn't it so nice to be able to talk about that in church? Yes, it is. It is. Because it needs to be talked about in church. But you know what? There's not one brick left upon another brick. I have zero dealings with this. And you know what that means? That means I am now a safe place for women. Because when I look at them, I, I see a daughter. I don't see an object. And if you've been wrapped up in that thing, and that's something that's come against your life because it has been a scourge against all humanity, then no shame. You're the righteousness of God and God loves you and God will help you tear that thing down. Because it's evil and it robs you of peace and it robs people of their humanity and it destroys marriages. 
want to kick it in the face. You know what I'm saying? Like I hate it. And but it's everywhere, but it doesn't but anyway, so like I'm I'm free. I'm so free. Now, the enemy would try to come and bring a brick. Bring a brick. How about your phone is attached to everything in the world? Oh, would you would you like a small brick of lie? Would you like a small brick of lust? I mean, oh, it's my decision to be like, no. I'm not going to spend too much time looking at something that's going to build a fortress in my mind that I spent 20 years destroying. I want to be free. I want to stay free. So I don't have time for that crap. And so when it tries to arise, I sit it down. Now listen, if you take the brick and you start building, and next thing you know, there you are in a little igloo, and you're like, oh crap, here I am. Listen to me. You are still a child of God. You are still the righteousness of God. You are still holy on the inside. But your head has got some trash, and it's going to need some help. Okay. Cool. It is good. It is good. All right, let's turn to Joshua 3. So we can't review because it just ain't going to happen. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay because God's here and everything's real clear. The teacher is here. Amen. And so everything is real clear. So we don't have to review in order for, for us to do what we need to do because his plan is more important than my plan. Can't get an amen. Let me say it to everybody in here. You come with your plan and your, you work hard on your plan. But when the Lord touched your plan, you need to let go of your plan and do what the Lord wants to do. Because His plan is what works, not our plan. Can I get an amen? amen? That's for every single aspect of your life. And that's the power of being led by a Spirit. Yep. Amen. That's, that's relationship. So, the children of Israel are about to go into the promised land, and they're about to take what is theirs. But what I want to show you is, is, is the key component. Everybody here. The key component to you tearing down these false strongholds in your mind, the number one thing that you need is the finished work of the cross. And, and, and the Ark of the Covenant is a typology of the finished work of the cross. So anytime you see the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament, what is being talked about there is the finished work of the cross. Let me, let me, let me lay this out to you so we can all get on the same page. The Ark of the Covenant, on the inside of it was the rebellion of man. The rejection of Aaron's rod, Aaron's rod broken, the rejection of uh, God's leadership, the manna, the rejection of God's provision, the broken Ten Commandments, the rejection of God's direction, right? So inside the ark represented man's rebellion, right? Once again, how I many know oh, God does not compromise His righteousness for anything? And He never has, and He never will. It's so important to understand that. His, the, the habitation of His throne is righteousness. God's right. And God will always be right. The reason sin is so destructive and wrong is because the Creator didn't design us to do it like that. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sin is a step out of the Creator's design, so it's actually a step into death. If God... Check this out. Let me lay this out to you real quick and hope everybody gets this. If God flipped it and God did it the opposite way to where sin was morality and morality was sin, if God made the world differently, then the other way would be wrong. Does everybody understand? That was kind of tough. But, I, okay. <laughs> All I'm saying, this is what I'm saying. Whatever God says is right. Whatever God says works, nothing else works because God is life and any step outside of life is a step into death. Praise God. So, in that ark is man's rebellion. But how I many on top of that ark is the mercy seat? And it's, it's pure gold. And it's beaten. It was beaten. That 
mercy seat represents Jesus in His finished work of the cross. It's God taking all of man's rebellion, but covering it. And that was the place where they put the blood. That's the place where they came, the high priest came and sprinkled the blood. How many know God is not as interested in a golden box as He is Jesus Christ in the finished work on the cross? All of those things that were taught in the Old Testament were for the purpose of pointing us to Jesus. And now that your eyes are open to this reality, now you can go back into the Old Covenant and you can gain light and truth that was hidden. Everybody tracking me here? The ark represents the finished work of the cross. Everybody understand that? We all got to get on the same page on that. Every time you see the ark, you see the Because here's the thing. As long as the children of Israel had the ark, they were going to win. When they didn't have the ark, they were going to get their butts kicked. As long as you have the finished work of the cross, you're going to win. If you don't have it, you're going to get your butt kicked. What does that mean to me in just a very simple state? You need to understand this. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus while you fail. When you fall. When you mess up. You are still the righteousness of God. Because you can't win until you know your identity is secure. You can't win until you know that you're forgiven. How are you going to have confidence if you think God's mad at you? How are you going to stand against sin? How are you going to stand against sickness? How are you going to stand against poverty if you think this is coming from God? You can't. You'll be confused. And you'll think, well, this is from God, or this is from man, or what is this? God doesn't like me. I don't know. Then we just go medicate ourselves because we're so wigged out. You need to know that the cross was a success. Can I get an amen? And if you've received Jesus as Lord and Savior, you're right with God, and there's no longer any sin that's being imputed to you whatsoever. And there never will be. When you stand before the throne, you will have boldness because the blood will have been a success. (laughs) I'm passionate about this because this is the area the devil kicks your butt. If you don't understand this, your butt's going to be kicked. And you actually can't grow up. You can't mature without a revelation of this. So, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, right? This ark is key. And so they're about to go into the promised land. And they've been on the outside of the promised land. They're about to step into the promised land. And here they go. Joshua chapter 3, verse 1. Then Joshua rose early in the morning. They set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan. He and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. How many of y'all, some of y'all have had to leave churches to find a church that will preach the finished work? Because most churches don't preach this. And nothing against them, but they don't have an ark. And if they don't have the finished work, then the pastor isn't a pastor, he's a manipulator. They're arkless. Ichabod, no glory. God's changing that though. More and more people getting a hold of the reality of the finished work of the cross. When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. The finished work of the cross will take you into places in your mind that you are scared to go. 
We'll take because here's the thing: when you attack a stronghold in your mind, you need to know that you're righteous and clean the whole time you're attacking that thing. Because that stronghold is always going to make you feel like you're not clean and you're not worthy and you're dirty. And you got to take a stand against that sucker. You got the ark. You got the Christ. And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the ark of the covenant, cross over the people. So they took up the ark of the covenant, and they went before the people. And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, I will be with you. How many of you Moses couldn't take him in? Who would take him in? Joshua. Yeshua. How many of you Joshua represents Jesus? How many of you Moses represents the law? Law can't take you into the promised land. Nothing wrong with the law. It's great, but it can't take you in. It's got to be by promise. It can't be by works. So you shall command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you have come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. Now listen to me. The Jordan always represents death. Jordan is a typology of death. That's why they baptized in the river Jordan. I mean, baptism means you are going down into death and then you're coming out into newness of life. Every time you see Jordan, the river Jordan in the Scriptures, it represents death. It's an important typology. So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you, and that He will without fail drive out from before you all the evil thoughts in your mind of things that you thought were, not, were you but weren't you. The Canaanites, the Heatites, the Hevesites, the Perizzites, the Gergesites, the Fearites, the Lustites, the Lieites, the Unworthyites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore, take for yourselves twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe, and it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests who bear the Ark of the Lord, as soon as the finished work touches this, then the Lord of all the earth shall rest the waters of the Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off. That the waters come down from upstream, they shall stand as a heap. So they're stepping into a river, and the river is stopping and, and staying a heap ahead, and they're about to come across on dry ground. Everybody understand that? All right. And so, and so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan, when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan, the feet of the priests who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water. The Jordan overflows all its banks during the time of harvest. That the waters which came down from upstream stood still and rose in a heap very far away. Listen, this is important. At Adam, the city that is beside Zeraton. At Adam. Who's Adam? Adam. Where did death come from? Adam. Who is going to stop the death of Adam? Jesus! Jesus in the finished work of the cross. I mean, there's nothing in the Bible that's there by mistake. There's a reason that city was named Adam. God is about to roll the reproach of the sin and the fall of man off of His people, and God is going to stop death in your life. That's what the ark does for you. That's what the finished work of the cross does for you. You know what brings death? Condemnation. Condemnation brings death. And when you start to get your eyes open to the fact that you are the righteousness of God, the workings of death are going are to stop and stop being so prevalent in your life. What are you talking about? 
One of the reasons that some people are sick physically is they are condemned here. One of the reasons that, that people experience poverty and financial lack is they're condemned and they're under a sense of condemnation. In the presence of condemnation, there will be an expectation of punishment. In the presence of condemnation, you will expect bad things to happen. The ark has come to roll back the death that happened in Adam. How many know God has given you eternal life? And He wants life in you. How many know as you walk with the Lord and you get your eyes open to this, it'll renew your youth? Oh yes. It's one of the promises. He will satisfy your mouth with good things and renew your youth as the eagles. Blessing you Abraham's renewal of youth. We don't age like the world ages. When you start understanding you're the righteousness of God, it changes everything. And so this ark stopped death, right? And it's going to stop death in your thoughts and it's going to stop death in your mind. Now turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, please. So that was the natural example of the children of Israel going into the promised land. Now let's flip it and let's go back to your promised land and my promised land talking about our minds. See, people talk about spiritual warfare all the time. Warfare, warfare, warfare. Spiritual warfare is not fighting demons. You need to understand that. Demons have to obey you. They just must obey you. Because you are right and they are wrong. Everybody understand that? Very simple. Now that you are the righteousness of God, you are right and they are wrong. They cannot assert the authority of God after the cross. Because they have no right. They're illegal beings. Everybody tracking me here? I mean, Jesus cast out 2,000 demons with one word. And I don't even think He yelled. I think He was like, go. They're illegals. They're, they are, they are, they are, they've lost the right to operate in this world. Now, before the cross, they had every right. But they've now lost the right. So your primary fight is against demons. Demons will obey you as you know that you're the righteousness of God. They will leave, right? <laughs> your warfare is this. Most spiritual warfare is in reference to your head, to your thoughts. Because the, the, uh, the devil don't want to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with a child of God. Because it's like going toe-to-toe -to -toe with God Himself because they're in Christ and Christ is in them. Y'all understand me here? You don't have to be afraid. When we had our outreach, we were out ministering in the streets, which was awesome. I'll tell you right now, what you guys are doing is amazing. That was the greatest experience I've ever had ministering outside in the streets. Last year, I preached outside in the streets by myself. It's funner to do it with other people. And so anyway, so we're preaching, or I'm preaching and I'm sharing, and here comes this guy coming straight towards me. He's got a mask on. And he's coming straight at me. And I'm preaching, right? Now, how I many know there was demonic on the guy, whether any more on him, I don't know. I don't care. But it's trying to scare me. I'm not scared. Because I'm in Christ. And I know who I am. Y'all tracking me here? So as he's coming towards me, I know what's up. That's a demon. It's excited because things are happening. And it wants to bring fear to stop what God is doing. But Jeremiah, what about this, and what about that, and what about the news, and what about shootings, and what about, what about, listen, 
I don't, I, my attention and my focus is not on the experience of other people. My attention and my focus is on God has promised me in Christ Jesus. Because if I set my faith and my expectation upon other people's experiences, I will never have the strength to stand and be fearless. And so when He's coming towards me, I don't allow fear to come. You know why? Greater is He that's in me than He that's in the world. We've been ministering at the shelter before, and we've seen people come up on drugs. Crazy! And they'd be coming up just like, you know, all crazy. But here's the thing. What I can't do is allow fear to come into my heart at that moment. I can't allow fear to come into my mind. I've got to stay at peace. And as long as I keep, as long as I stay in who I am, they can't touch me. They can't touch me. And they've never touched me. And they never will touch me. So he came up and he would stand right there. And he just stood right in front of me as I preached. I just kept preaching. And then, uh, because I mean, because he could get delivered from a demon if he wants to. But if he don't want to, then it's between him and between him and the demon. You can't make somebody get free, folks. You have to understand that. They must want to be free. So anyway, and so he's there. And so then he comes around to the back. Well, I just I just keep preaching at him. And I'm making him really uncomfortable. And because I'm gonna preach the gospel at this bro. Because I'd love to see him get saved. Because at the end of the day, how I many you know th this human's not my enemy? God loves this human. And God wants to see this human be a son of God. But it's the demon that's on him that God hates and I hate, right? And so finally, then, then eventually he came back around again. So I just came over to him. I said, hey man, what's up? And he sat there for a minute and he was like, do you know what time it is? <laughs> Did you see it online? I was like, yeah, I was like about 6.30. Okay. And then he was gone. But, but what I want to show you is what's in us is stronger than what's in the world. Can I get an amen? You don't have to be afraid because there's a kingdom inside of you that's more powerful. But how many know, you know what was important? This is that I knew I was right with God when all that happened. Because if I were to start thinking, well, maybe I'm not right with God. Maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I, maybe I, 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 I. I didn't come here to look at me. I didn't give me any right to be here. You know who gave me a right? Jesus Christ. I'm not looking at me. I'm looking at Him. Is He right with God? Is He clean? Is He anointed? Is He worthy? Then where am I? I'm in Him. So, listen. Praise the Lord. You are never on trial. The blood is what's on trial. That's really important. You are not on trial. The devil wants you to think you're on trial. He wants you to look at you. He wants you to look at you. They, well, you're unworthy. Or, well, you're super worthy and you're better than other people. I mean, both things frustrate grace. There's nobody in this room any better than anybody else. There's one righteousness. There's not multiple levels. So, you win by not looking at you, but by looking at Jesus because Jesus has become your identity. 
Are y'all tracking me here? So when that dude came, I wasn't sitting there scrolling through my past or what I did that day. I went, well, I said that. Well, I got mad in traffic. Well, I ate 15 ferocious and mispronounced it. Praise God. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't, I ain't thinking about me. I'm thinking about Jesus. Now, that's one example. But next week, when is the enemy going to try to make you self-conscious? When's he going to get you? Like, we got seven days ahead of us, right? What time is the enemy going to try to put your righteousness on trial? It's coming. It's coming. Now, praise God, it won't be the scenario that I went through. But something is going to say you're not worthy. And, and it's going to be about you. Or say somebody else isn't worthy. Could be your parenting. Could be your marriage. Could be a secret area where you're trying to have some relief. Whatever it is, the devil has lost the right to have a conversation with you about your worth. He's lost that right. And see, here's the thing. When he comes to you, he, doesn't, he never comes to you in the third person. He always comes to you, this is very important, in your own voice. Your own voice. So when condemnation comes, it doesn't, if it came in the third person, it would be real easy to handle. It would be like, no, man, that's weird. Shut up. But it doesn't. It comes to you in your voice. And it might not even be a, a real like formed thought. It could just be a feeling of, gosh, man, I just, oh, I'm just not, I'm just not. Listen, please stop comparing yourself to other people. Nobody's called to be you except you. So don't, don't, don't compare your relationship with, with God with other people. Don't, if you compare yourself to other people, you're going to be real upset because you're trying to be somebody you're not. That's like a hammer staring at a screwdriver. It's like, man, if I could just be a screwdriver. <laughs> you ain't called to be a screwdriver. You called to be a hammer. Just be a hammer. <laughs> I know we're simplifying that, but how I many a lot of us, we get down on ourselves because we look at what somebody else is doing or what somebody else has got going on. And I'm here to tell you, that's dumb. That's dumb. Let's not do that. Let's put that under our feet and walk on it. You know, you're the righteousness of God. You are the most beautiful you that there ever was. There has never been anybody like you. There has never been anyone like you. Your, 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 your fingerprint is, is not like anybody else's, let alone your spiritual DNA. Can I get an amen? You're the righteousness of God. And so, in 2 Corinthians in chapter 10, and we're, we're closing right here. I've offended Logan and he has to leave. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, dude. I love you, man. I love you, bro. I know, I know. I just, ah, you're my ginger Jesus friend. What's up? <laughs> Dan's going to go out there and set him in order. Dan's like, now listen, now God loves you now. I'll tell you. Hey, 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 you want a Ferrochi? You want a Ferrochi? I can't. Ferraroa? I'm like, I ain't going to try, man. I... You want a chocolate ball? <laughs> I love you too. How you say it? Gosh, I don't even want to try. I don't, I don't want to say that. I'm offended by that. I'm not offended. I curse the word. 
How are you saying Ferrer Rocher? There are no Caesar H's in this. F-E-R-R-E-R-O. Ferrero. Does anyone on earth not... You, you actually know how to pronounce it? Like, you for real? Did you look it up? Ferrero? Oh, okay, all right. Amen. You're right. Ferrero Shea. It sounds so much cooler like that, though. In our house, they're Ferrochis. Ferrochis. Turn my G on them Ferrochis. I did, Mama. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> we didn't have those growing up. Woo! Praise God. That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> All right, last place. Second Corinthians chapter 10. We did not even, but it's cool because God did what He wanted. So, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, talking about warfare, talking about taking back your mind. Don't nobody belong in your head but you and Jesus. No one should have the right to live in your head. When you're offended at somebody, if you look at it in the Greek and how the depth of the language changes, you're chaining a dead body to yourself. I mean, there are people that live in your head because they wronged you. And as a result of that, they're still wronging you. No, you got to forgive them and let them go. God love them. God bless them. No one belongs in your head but you and Jesus. Yeah, man. Have church right there, right? No, no. I've been wronged by so many people. I don't let them live in me. You're not allowed to live here. I love you. I forgive you. I will pray for you. God loves you. You know what I'm saying? So... That's it. You ain't living inside of me. You know why? Because you can't have peace when somebody's living in you. No, dismiss them. They can leave. You follow me? How do you do that? You forgive them. Did Jesus pay for the sins that were committed against you? He did. So if you want to enjoy the forgiveness that's been given to you, you've got to allow that forgiveness to flow to other people. Now listen, God's not going to withhold forgiveness from you. That's not a New Testament concept. No, 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 you're forgiven. Even when you're offended and you're mad. It's true, I don't have time to teach it. But if your salvation hangs on anything but Jesus Christ, then you're in trouble. It's important. I could teach on that if we had time. I don't have time to teach on that. But I will say this, the quality of your life will be greatly hindered if you live offended. Because you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to think about that person more than you think about Jesus. And you don't need that in your life. So you just forgive them. You love them and you pray for them. And if you have opportunity, be good to them. Bless them. Hook them up. I mean, you overcome evil with good. We We don't sink down. If somebody's slandering you, don't slander them back. If somebody is, is, is being mean to you or talking bad about you, don't slander them back. You be good to them. Bless them. I'm telling you, this is how you win, folks. You don't win by, we don't sink down to the enemy's level. No, bless them, hook them up. Buy them something. And cut that cord off of your life and walk away free. Amen. Now, I'm also not saying that everyone deserves access to your life. I got people that I have forgiven kicked out of my head, and they are not in my life. Family members. And I will love them from afar. 
And if God wants me that to change, God needs to talk to me about it. And I don't mean God needs to talk to me about it in the sense that God owes me anything. I'm just saying I need to clarify that. Because, but I know that some people are toxic and they don't have a right to poo-poo in your head. Y'all talking to me here. And so, you know, because a wrong way of teaching is saying that everyone, well, you just got to walk in love. You just got to walk in love. Yeah, I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to walk straight up out of this mug and <laughs> I'm going to walk in love. Listen, you got balanced things with Scripture. Proverbs has truckloads of Scripture about people you're supposed to stay away from. And it don't mean you don't love them. It just means you ain't their Savior. Hallelujah. Let them, let Jesus handle them. You ain't called to save everybody. Can I get an amen? You try to save everybody, you'll be miserable. Because you won't be effective because you can't do it. Amen. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty. You don't have fisticuff weapons any longer. You have a different type of weapon. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in God. This is what? Pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. If you want to win, this is your promised land. And the only thing that conquers this is the Scripture. You find a promise to fight your stronghold. Everybody tracking me here? We have now finished because this is, this is as far as we can go today. Perfectionism. How I many of that's a stronghold? Perfectionism is when, and here's the challenge with perfectionism is you think you've got to have everything right on the outside to feel good about your inside. And if you've got to have everything right on the outside to feel good about your inside, you will never feel good about your inside because you can't get everything right. Make everything right for like three seconds. You know what that means? It means you actually never have peace and you are harder on yourself than anybody else is. As in having to have all the answers to always be right and to know the way. That's the stronghold, right? That's a system of thought that needs to be torn down. Right? I have my, just imagine I have my little Lego thing up here, right? You would tear that stronghold down, right? Now, how are you going to fight that? You can't willpower your way through that. You need Scripture. You need the truth. See? The Word of God is different than anything else in the world. Everything that you see was created by God's words. There's, no, there's nothing physical that you can see with your eyes that was not created by something that you can't see. There's nothing physical that was created that wasn't created by God's words. So God gave you the book filled with His words so that you could take those same words and use them to, to conquer and to win in this life. Everybody tracking me here? The Bible is not just some regular book. It's not a novel. It's special. Scripture declares that it's, 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 it's full of energy and full of life. And a lot of times people having trouble with stuff like that. I'm like, why well, are you reading your Bible? Well, no, but we'll reach it. We'll just try it. It's astonishing how people, well, yeah, but, I'm, blah, 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 but I know it. I don't care what you know. Did the memory of pizza feed you? Can the memory of pizza feed you? It can't. I need Dan to sit here every service. <laughs> Dan, I need you. Dan is my amen corner, man. <laughs> <laughs> it feels good, hallelujah. Yes, it does. But just because you know a scripture does not mean it's actively feeding you. Can we turn the AC down just a little bit? I know we're closing, but I feel like it kicked off and I feel like it's hot again. Amen. Anyway, so what's the answer? Trust 
here's the scripture that they're going to use to fight the stronghold. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. Those two scriptures are soldiers that you employ to go into your soul to take down that stronghold. Just imagine the children of Israel. How many of you know they were, they were soldiers? They were people that walked in the promised land. And listen, reading that scripture once is not enough. Reading it twice is not enough. If you really want to get this thing going, you got to learn how to meditate in the Scriptures and chew on it. See, you don't need 16 pages of Scriptures. You actually only need one. You get one word and you start reading that. I trust in the Lord with all my heart. Trust. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all my heart. Lean not on my own understanding. Not my own understanding. Lean not. And there you are chewing the bread of life and you're activating soldiers to tear down a stronghold in your mind that may have been there since you were a child, but I don't care what happened in your childhood. The Creator is stronger than your past. That's a prophetic word for somebody. That's a word for everybody, but that's a word directly to somebody. I don't care what stronghold was built in you as a child. The Creator is stronger than your past. But you're going, to have to use the, you're going to have to get in the Word. You're going to have to allow the Word to do these things. Amen. Praise God. So we have a couple more, but I'm, I'm not going to necessarily read those today. Um, we, we will read those a different time because we're, we're going to pick this back up, I believe, later on. But I'm done. I, we're done. Our time is, is finished here. But the, the, final thing that I, the, the final thing I want to do Baby, we come up here, please. And um, I didn't tell her I was going to do this, but um, I just, I want you, you know, we've we've been walking with Bambi for quite some time, had been pastoring her and stuff like that and walking with her. And she's, just come on up here if you don't mind. Everybody give it up for Bambi one time. (laughs) Hallelujah. She, she, (laughs) that's Graham's amen right there. It's all good. Bambi has had a stronghold of unworthiness in her mind. She has been tearing down that stronghold of unworthiness in her mind, and now we can see the results in her life. See, when you beat, when you win the battle here, things are going to change on the outside. I'm going to say it a couple more times. When you win the battle here, things are going to change on the outside. See, so many times everybody's trying to change things on the outside. No. You changed it right here, and things will change on the outside. Quickly, just testify about the promotion and stuff that's come into your life. She's had a major promotion in her life. Yeah. Um, I had been waiting for, well, I worked about three and a half years to get where I am with my job, and I was, I've was i been training people as I go because our team was created brand new, never before, and uh, we lost all our team. I was the last one standing, so I kept training, even my new supervisor, um, and uh, I finally got that promotion that gives me the title for what I've been doing and gives me the money, and it's life-changing 
absolutely life-changing amount. Tell me, it's, it's just uh, late. I mean, it's like... Well, d- it, it went up from, uh, let's just say it almost was 20000 more a year. Yes. So that's, um, you know, and, and I have had that problem. I grew up poor, and so I had a mindset of poverty. And uh, yeah, it does make you feel like maybe you're not as worthy as other people when you, you know, you struggle uh, paycheck to paycheck. And you know, I'm coming out from some debt, because you know, this has just happened. So, but what's great is I see the light, the light's at the end of the tunnel, and the Lord had it all along. And the thing uh, also that happened was, um, yeah, This, uh, I love my daddy, and we have a good relationship now, but we didn't always. And um, my father in heaven moved upon my father in the world's heart. For the first time, he blessed me financially. Wow, come on. Right at the time that I woke up on May 3rd, I've got $2,000 from my dad here to get a car that I would never have been able to, you know, get, and my car blew up. And he gives me $2,000 with my Mother's Day card, says the Lord worked on his heart the night before. So I get this, and then I wake up that 5-3 was a great day. Because I also got the email of my promotion. Come on. So in one day, one day, the Lord took me from here to here. I'm telling you, it can happen in one moment. You're one moment away from what he's got for you. You're one moment away from him turning it all around. He's the God that rescues. He's the God that turns it all around. It has nothing to do with whether or not you're making mistakes. Because let me tell you, I make them every day. And I make them real good. And I'm telling you, I need the blood. I need the blood. We all need the blood. But we have the blood. We have the Father. And he he told me the other day, Mm -hmm. you know, my dad called me the other day and he said, Bambi, I think you're going in the wrong way. And my dad doesn't speak into my life, but he called me and spoke into my life something and he was right. And he gave me scripture and he was right. And the Lord opened my eyes to see it. And I didn't want to hear it because it was coming from someone who had never really done that with me, Mm -hmm. but it was also telling me I couldn't have any fun in, in that moment. And I'm like, you know, but he's so right. And he was so right about my vehicle, and he was so right about everything else. And I'm going to take this as the Lord's wisdom. And the Lord even said to me, it's not about are you going to let him father you. It's are you going to let me father you. Yeah, come on. And I said, yes, I'm going to let you do it. And I finally feel like I'm on that path. And, And I finally feel what I know now to be true. I've read it. I've read it all back and forth. But until you get that revelation in your heart that it really is true, you are the righteousness of Christ. You are the hope of glory in this world. You are the shining light in the darkness. And without your shining light, it will remain dark. You are that. And he's got it. He's got you. Mm. He's got it. And he's going to pour into you something so big. It's going to mm. blow your mind. Mm. And somebody else is going to get it. Yeah. Somebody else is going to get raised up out of the dark. And somebody else is going to get blessed. All because he worked through you. Because finally you get it. He's daddy and he loves you. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. Hallelujah. That's all right. I'll use this one now. Amen. He was so good it ripped the mic off. 
Oh, amen. Oh, you want to hug? Amen. God bless you, girl. Yeah, I'm so happy for you. It's just awesome, man. All right, cool. Praise God. Okay, so we're done. <laughs> if you need to give, all, give an envelope this morning, lift your hand up. We'll get one to you. Um, Angie, will you come up and tell us what's going on? Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus.